episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate everybody tuning in for another brand new episode. New episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time and all your favorite podcast channels. That includes iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, Podbean, all that good stuff there. And the video version, which hopefully you're watching and seeing this face here right now, goes up at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. But uh, I shouldn't really have to mention that because as y'all can see, everything is looking a little better here now we've started upping the production value my good friend chris palmer mr neasy i want to thank you for that uh he is responsible for helping me out with uh all this loveliness that y'all are seeing here right now dude i really really appreciate it because i have not the time nor the resources to get that done and you have helped me out a lot man so big thanks to you uh, and you can see right over here now as well, all of my social media links so you can stay tuned for everything that's going on. For example, my Twitter's over there. That's at A-X-D-E-W. That's Axdew. You can find me talking about all things horror and wrestling and things like that over on my Twitter feed. And then my Instagram's listed there as well, too. That's Theron underscore Reynolds. That's typically where I post my uh, thotty horror photos and everything like that now. And then, uh, of course, you can see our Discord link down there as well, too. And the Discord link, you definitely want to make sure to go to because that's where we do our watch party. That's where we watch typically whatever we're reviewing that night. And sometimes we watch other things too. We have our TV watch parties. We're probably going to do another one of those next week, actually. So that's going to be coming up. Uh, and tonight, we definitely have some fun stuff in store for you in our watch party here as well, too. So you want to get to the Discord, make sure to get signed up so you can join in on that. And of course, Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash T scary movie. Again, that's Facebook.com slash group slash T scary movie. That's where you can find some of the fun conversations and discussions that we're having. We had one actually earlier this week about removing a couple of horror franchises uh, from a long list that was put together. It was a meme that I found uh, on one other group in Facebook. I don't remember what the heck it was, but there was a, a meme I found there that listed all these very popular horror franchises and uh, which ones would you get rid of? So all the typical stuff, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Child's Play, Sex Chainsaw Massacre, and so on. And we got a lot of divisive opinions about what people would take out, but a lot of the common ones were showing up. The Purge was a popular one everybody wanted to get rid of, which I get. I've talked about this before, y'all. The Purge, I don't actually know what to make of that series as a whole because it went so hard between being a horror and being a thriller and being suspense but being action. It didn't really commit to anything to where a lot of the entries don't even feel that much like a horror movie. But... I love the second film. That's The Purge Anarchy. That's the first film with Frank Grillo in it. And I really enjoyed the most recent one, The Forever Purge as well, too. So there is some good and bad in that, but I had to get rid of that series. That series as a whole just doesn't do that much for me, honestly. Um, and then the other one I said was Jeepers Creepers. Now, the reason why I said that is because I don't think Jeepers Creepers has shaped anything in horror. If you go to the Facebook group and take a look at this discussion, there's a lot of other series that are far more important to horror as a whole than Jeepers Creepers is. Um, I do enjoy the first movie, but it's hard to look at that series. Um, uh, it's hard to look at that series and not 
feel like a cloud hanging over it due to the creator and being the piece of shit that he is. So I really do enjoy the first movie, but uh, yeah, that one would have to go because we don't lose anything by the Jeepers Creepers series going away. But what do you think? Go to the Facebook group, go ahead and comment on that. Let's find out which series you want to go away out of the long list of ones that are there. Uh, and in addition to that, folks, in addition to going to the Facebook group and making sure that you comment on things like that, make sure to hit that subscribe button as well too. You wanna make sure you can get all the alerts for when new episodes and any other videos are going up as well too. I've started making sure to do some quick kills. There's gonna be breaking news stories in the world of horror that you all need to know. So hit that subscribe button so you can tell when all those things are coming out. And uh, you might notice this nice uh, Freddy Krueger shirt that I'm wearing here right now. Let me go ahead and stand up, get a little bit better into view for all of y'all. But this nice Dream Warriors shirt is from Gutter Garbs. Yes, Gutter Garbs had a fantastic new release of a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors shirt that I just absolutely had to get. And even though we're not talking Dream Warriors tonight, there is never a bad time to represent the best Freddy Krueger movie that's out there. Yes, that's right, I said the best. The original is not the best movie. If anything, the highest it could ever be is three because Dream Warriors is the best. And Wes Craven's new nightmare would be fighting for the best if it wasn't for Dream Warriors. The original film can only be third at best. I don't even think it's that high, honestly. I really don't. Keep that one low, though. <laughs> but love this shirt. Check out Gutter Garbs. They have fantastic designs on things at their website. So what are we talking about tonight? Last week, if you recall, we looked at a couple of werewolf movies. We looked at 2022's new werewolf film, The Cursed. And then we looked at 2005 Wes Craven's meta werewolf film, Cursed, both under the same kind of name. And I told y'all we would be getting two more werewolf movies this week as well, too. So that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. We're talking the classic film based on the Stephen King story cycle of the werewolf, Silver Bullet. And we're also going to talk a more recent one that has gotten rave reviews and just seems to be a big favorite among a lot of people out there. That's right, Werewolves Within. That's what we have coming up here. But again, make sure you get to the Facebook group and you get joined up there. Make sure you get to the Discord because we're watching both of those tonight as well. There's no entry fee. We don't charge for anything like that. But if you want to come have a good time, hang out with some horror fans, watch some movies, get to the Facebook group, or just go directly to the Discord and join in on the fun. So... Why don't we go ahead and get started and go right into Werewolves Within. So, the background of this movie, if you don't know, is that Werewolves Within is actually a video game movie, believe it or not. There was a game that was released on the PlayStation 5, uh, PlayStation 4, excuse me, PlayStation 4, a few years back called Werewolves Within. It was basically a mafia-style kind of game where you're playing with other people and somebody somebody is a werewolf in disguise you play a bunch of different villagers who have these different roles within a town but some of those villagers may be a werewolf and it's your job to figure out who that werewolf is simple there's nothing more to it now what's funny and interesting about that is that i'm positive that that game was adapted from this card game called one night werewolf which is basically the exact same thing it's like mafia Everybody gets a card assigned to them with like a job, like a villager responsibility. It's like you're the blacksmith or the baker or the doctor or the sheriff or something. But then somebody else is also a werewolf. And it's your job to work together to find out who the werewolf actually is. Now, 
Love that game. Have not played it in a while. I own Werewolves Within for PS4, but it is an online-only game, so it kind of makes it hard to play it. Not a lot of people are playing it these days. Maybe if you released it for the PS5 or something, that could work a little bit better. But who knows? Who knows? I digress on that. But that's the whole story of it, is that basically there is a werewolf within <laughs> that uh, the townspeople are trying to figure out who it is. And that is the plot of this film, Werewolves Within. To where a new park ranger that's played by, uh, is it Sam? Uh, Sam oh, God, why am I forgetting names here? Sam Richardson. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, my apologies, y'all. Yeah. Uh, Sam Richardson is playing uh, a new forest ranger that's coming to the, uh, the town of Beaverfield where he's going to pick up his new post. Unfortunately, though, due to an incoming storm, uh, everybody is uh, an incoming storm and a number of murders that are happening around the town. All the townspeople are forced into the local lodge for protection. And this is when more murders start to happen. And it's revealed that the cause of these murders must be a werewolf. And now it's up to our forest ranger, Finn, played by Sam Richardson, and his good friend, uh, the local mailman, Cecily, played by Melania Vantrub, uh, to figure out who this werewolf is before anybody else can fall. And that is really all you need to know about this movie. Uh, it's really played for laughs, and that's one of the best things about it is that Sam Richardson, who you've seen in a number of different things over the past few years now, um, is a hilarious, hilarious actor. Uh, I say hilarious as I mentioned that he was in uh, Promising Young Woman as one of, uh, one of her potential victims. Didn't end up happening, but... He was definitely in that there. And he's been in other things y'all have seen as well, too. Uh, for example, Good Boys. He was in uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2. He was in Office Christmas Party. He was in The House. He was in Game Over, man. He's been in a lot of stuff. The guy is absolutely hilarious. And one thing that really works well is that he actually kind of plays a lot of the straight man in this. Like, yeah, a lot of the comedic elements are happening, like, involving him. But he's still kind of the straight man to everybody else in this town. And the town consists of all these fantastic actors who y'all have seen in other things, including Cheyenne Jackson, uh, Melania Vantrub, like I said, and uh, Sarah Burns as well, too. And the cast of characters are amazing. These are all people who seem to have the perfect connection to comedic timing. They all have been playing off each other well throughout the film itself, and they all work as potential suspects. And that's actually one of the more successful things about the film as well, too, is that uh, this was this was written by Mishna Wolf, and we easily can go throughout the film and try to figure out who this werewolf is because they have to kind of play that aspect up. That's the entire purpose of the game, both whether it's the card game or the PS4 game, is trying to really figure out through all the clues involved who it could really be. Now, the downside here is that we don't really get all those clues up front, and you can't. Uh, it's not necessarily like a, I use a, I like Saw or Scream or anything like that to where you can make an educated guess and there might be some things there, but there's also a problem with that. And a lot of the whodunit films, where we're trying to guess who it is, the clues that are supposed to be apparent really aren't that apparent in the least bit at all. Uh, take Scream, for example. You know, we know that it turns out to be Billy and Stu who are behind the whole thing. Beyond that conversation they have outside the school at that fountain, there's really not a lot of anything else that really like says, like, you should be looking at Billy and Stu, they're absolutely the killers. I would be lying if I said the first time I saw that, I didn't think it was just gonna end up being somebody random, like, you know, just a random maniac. 
Because if you remember, back in like the 70s and the 80s, sometimes we got horror films with serial killers and things like that to where it wasn't actually a member of the cast. Like Slumber Party Massacre. Absolutely love Slumber Party Massacre. There is no mystery about who the killer is. We know who the driller killer is. There's no question about that. So Werewolves Within, I will say while they do add the mystery of who that werewolf truly could be, the problem is, is that we know in, you know, this time, the movie came out uh, 2021, so it just came out last year, but we kind of have the idea these days that typically when you cast a film like this, your bigger leads are typically going to be the ones uh, who may end up in those roles. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything because that's not going to tell you who it is at all, but... I do think that's a problem with a lot a lot of these films is that it makes it pretty obvious. Like I used um, uh, Valentine as an example a while back to explain that, you know, that's a great film. Absolutely love the movie, but also we kind of know it's David Boreanaz the entire time. It has to be David Boreanaz. You know, I don't think they're trying to trick us by making us think it might be one of the girls, one of the girls' boyfriends in that movie, but it's very clear that there's only a finite amount of people it could be. And it's most likely this guy who's not in that movie that much because character can't be around that much if they're going to be killing folks, right? So same thing with Werewolves Within. I think it's pretty easy to pinpoint who the actual werewolf or werewolves are in this film. And that doesn't really take away from the fun because the interaction and the banter between all the cast of characters is just an absolute hoot. Now, for the attacks themselves, I this is definitely not a film that you're going to watch for gore, all right? There are some scenes in it. Somebody gets their hand ripped off and everything. Uh, there, there are definitely like, there's some blood in it and there's a little bit of gore in it for sure, but you're not watching this movie to scene like, oh, they ripped their arm off and oh, there's guts coming out and things like that. You're not watching Werewolves Within for it. You're watching it because it's just a fun romp. And I use fun to describe a lot of movies, but again, this is based on video game. You're supposed to be having fun with this. Neither the game, the card game or the PlayStation game are meant to really be that scary. You just have a lot of fun interacting with your friends trying to figure out who the werewolf is. And that's kind of how this movie works as well too. You might figure out who that werewolf is actually supposed to be, but it doesn't take away from enjoyment of the film itself because it's still really freaking fun. And that's one of the best things I could say about it, is that this movie is an absolute hoot for sure. You'll laugh your ass off with it. Um, and it's nice to see uh, Melania Vantrub in something else because uh, she hasn't gotten a chance to do a lot of things that I've seen. You know, I was really excited for, uh, there was a Marvel series she was going to do to where she was going to play uh, Squirrel Girl. And I was like, all right, cool. This is going to be dope as hell. She's going to rock it in that role. And then she got canceled. Never happened. So it's like, all right, whatever. So it's awesome to see her get a chance to actually show off her abilities beyond AT&T commercials, which if you don't recognize the name, that is the girl who stars in all of the AT&T commercials right now. Uh, I say right now, she's been doing it for like a decade, decade at this point, maybe a little bit longer there. That's where we mostly know her from. Now, um, beyond that, honestly, keep in mind, this is not your traditional kind of werewolf movie. Uh, while there are some other like, more hilarious films out there. Like I could quote like an American werewolf in Paris, which I absolutely love. That is a uh, very akin to a dark comedy, even though it is a horror, there's a lot of dark comedy, uh, comedic elements in that. Werewolves Within definitely pushes more of the comedic route than anything else. There's really not much in the way of jump scares here. There's not a lot of scares and it just, just total, honestly, you're watching it because it's a really, really funny movie that's based on a video game about werewolves. And that's really the, the, the all I can say about it, y'all. Uh, it's not that deep of a film, and I don't say that to insult it, 
you're just watching for a uh, 90 minute set of laughter honestly and that's that's really it so check it out uh it's it's one of the better ones it played on a lot of festivals got a lot of rave reviews um I, while i don't think this is something we'd get a sequel to i'd imagine that the positive response to it wouldn't stop filmmakers from maybe at least looking into that because again it is a video game movie and it's one of the better ones that have actually been released in the last 30 years too so there's that werewolves within check that one out y'all and now we're going to shift gears to a bit of a more serious werewolf movie called silver bullet now if you heard of this film you probably heard of it for a number of different reasons beyond the fact that it's about a one-eyed werewolf and we'll get to that uh you know it has Corey Haim and Gary Busey in it it's based on a Stephen King story called cycle of the werewolf you know, and this came out at the time to where we were just getting nonstop Stephen King adaptations. And typically those adaptations go either really, really good or really, really bad. Like, I don't feel you can get, um, I, I don't feel this is like one to where you can really get in the middle with any of this, of, of any of his adaptations. You either really, really like it or you just really, really don't. Case in point, like the Stan miniseries that they now have made two of. Uh, two of. The original 1990s one, fantastic. Absolutely love it. It's great. I honestly think it is the best Stephen King adaptation. And if you don't agree with that, it's at least one of the best. Whereas the one that came out a couple of years ago is one of the worst. It's absolutely terrible. It's not interesting. It's not cool to watch at all. And Silver Bullet, I remember seeing bits and pieces of it growing up. Um, and it was always so scary. The werewolf looked crazy as hell. Corey Haim was still on the younger side, even younger than what he was like in Lost Boys or anything. It was around like the Lucas age. And, you know, whenever you see kids that young kind of in danger, like that makes it a little bit scarier. And then this is back when Gary Busey was still normal, as well normal enough as well too. So like that added a lot of fun because I think I had just saw, seen like Rookie of the Year. So like, oh man, Gary Busey is cool as hell, man. Let's see him fight a werewolf. Never saw the entire film. Never saw the entire film growing up. So... Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. This is the first time I've watched this film from start to end. I've seen the majority of the movie, but I've never actually watched it from start to end until I watched it for this review. And honestly, I was a huge, huge fan of this story. I can't say anything about the story that it's adapted from Cycle of the Werewolf. I've read a decent amount of Stephen King, but I haven't read that one, unfortunately. I know it's a part of a, it's a book of short stories. I want to say it's, it's a graveyard shift it's a part of. I think it's part of the graveyard ship, but um, I haven't read this one yet, so I have nothing to base that off of. But the idea here is that uh, in the town of Tarker Mills, and of course, Maine, because everything in Stephen King's stories is set in Maine, uh, there have been a number of murders around the town. The townspeople are fed up and they're trying to find out who's done it. Now, of course, this is, uh, this is a, uh, a very rational thinking town. So they're not gonna think that a werewolf is behind it at all. Clearly they think somebody's just getting up and offing people. And the choice of victims in, in uh, Silver Bullet is what I think helps make it incredibly interesting. Uh, typically in werewolf movies, you know, we get a wide assortment of it, but like you have safety nets, you know, they don't go for kids. Uh, kids typically usually it's gonna be like our young adults you know anything you watch that's exactly what we're looking at and in this movie uh there are pregnant women that are victims there are children that are victims there are old people that are victims like this werewolf don't give a damn 
And <laughs> that is one of the best aspects of it is that it actually really does seem like a Stephen King story, which, like I just mentioned, a lot of the time Stephen King adaptations are either really, really good or really, really bad. If you ever read Stephen King, he has a certain writing style to him. It's fantastic. Like It's very crass. It's very direct. And he doesn't hold any punches about who gets victimized in all of his stories. Like, again, read or watch Dr. Sleep. Fucked up story. Love it. Love that one so, so much. But if you check that out, a lot of people are victims in that. That's like, Jesus Christ. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that impressed me a lot about Silver Bullet is that we're watching something from way back Wednesdays here and that the choice of victims that they have in it. And I know Carrie came out, uh, Carrie came out before this and like that was mostly about a lot of high school kids getting killed in some brutal, brutal ways. But I don't know, something about Silver Bullet just clicked a little bit more for me. Now, our lead character, Marty, played by Corey Haim, is the one who obviously finds out that there's a werewolf in the town of Tarker Mills. And he's trying to convince anybody that'll listen to him that that's what's going on. He tries to convince his sister, uh, Jane, who was played by uh, Megan Follows, and eventually his uncle, Uncle Red, played by Gary Busey, that there's a werewolf in town and that's what's currently going on. And until he can show them proof of what's been happening, nobody believes that that's what, that there's a werewolf in town attacking everyone. And I really enjoy that because it's hard not to think of The Lost Boys when you see Corey Haim in another genre film like this. And in The Lost Boys, he had a ready group of people who were going to be on his side. The Frog Brothers were there. His brother Michael believed it pretty quickly as well, too, because he's the one that it's happening to. And then his mom was eventually forced into it in a confrontation. And it's eerie to kind of see the same thing happen here to where uh, Corey Haim, again, is convincing another relative that, hey, werewolves exist and they're attacking all right now. They're killing all these people and I need your help. And then that parental figure eventually being forced into uh, understanding and believing that werewolves are real by a confrontation with one. Now, as for the kill scenes, people really do get messed up in this movie. This werewolf is brutal. And I love the fact that um, one of the things they tend to show is that this werewolf still has some uh, some kind of cognitive abilities. Because usually in most of the werewolf stories uh, that we see, the, you know, when the person transforms, they don't remember any of that. Like, oh, it happened, but I don't have any memory of it. Um, and there's some exceptions to that rule. But in this one, they make it very, uh, very clear that the person who's doing it knows what's going on, knows what's going on 100% for sure. And that kind of makes some of these death scenes that much worse, worse than a good way. Like they're, they're that much more violent and visceral because they're enacting some punishment with what these townspeople were going to enact onto them. And you find out that this person who's uh, who's afflicted by this will do anything and everything to stop anybody from finding out. Doesn't matter who they have to kill, including a paraplegic little boy played by Corey Hain. The characters themselves uh, won't probably stack up as that of the most memorable Stephen King characters at all. Um, I do love who the werewolf ultimately is. I think that absolutely uh, is very, very much a memorable character, especially by the actor uh, actor who plays the werewolf, Everett McGill. We're spoiling it, folks. This movie is old as hell. Everett McGill, who you might recognize that name from a little film called People Under the Stairs. Yeah, my man killing it in the horror movies. Uh, he is absolutely memorable because he's playing this really rough and gruff 
pastor that's just trying to downplay everything that's going on and stop the townspeople from going out and trying to catch this werewolf that he just happens to be. And I love the presence that he brings on when he comes in and as he gets more and more unhinged, uh, as he loses his eye and starts wearing his eye patch and he starts growing that five o'clock shadows, like this is the gruffest and roughest werewolf that we have ever seen. Like that's a man's werewolf right there. That's a, that's a werewolf that drinks beer at eight in the morning. Uh, <laughs> which is just, honestly, I think you'll feel the same way if you see him in it. Love the transformation effects in the film. And it's even fun to see Terry O'Quinn, who some of you all might remember from The Stepfather or even from Lost, showing up as the sheriff of the town as well. Uh, one of the better Stephen King adaptations, honestly, uh, this is one to where, like I said, I've watched bits and pieces over the years, but after seeing it fully, this might be one that I'm going to come back to every Halloween because I really like watching werewolf movies um, in Halloween, like all of them. I'll, I'll watch them all during them. And this is definitely one that I really, really enjoyed that I would not mind coming back to, honestly. So get us to the Halloween season. I'm going to watch this a bunch. Uh, and it also just highlights a lot about Corey Haim as well, too. You know, it's interesting to think that this kid was like just so super talented and absolutely killing it. And I know, you know, demons affect us all and that's not really what I'm talking about, but it really, really sucks we didn't get him longer and give him a chance to kind of get back to where he needed to be because roles like this and roles like Silver Bullet, and I already mentioned like Lucas, you know, Dream a Little Dream, License to Drive, he was a really, really good child actor. There wasn't much that I saw in him that I didn't actually enjoy watching him in. And this is another one because he plays it so earnest. You know, they they, uh, they focus a lot on the strained relationship between uh, Corey Haim's Marty and his sister Jane. And throughout the movie, him trying to kind of make that up to her. You know, like he wasn't trying to tease her. He's not trying to bully her because he's younger than her. And he's obviously in a wheelchair. And everything he kind of goes through to make it up to her to apologize for the stuff he's really putting her through. And I love that relationship because Corey Haim plays Ernest so well. Not that Ernest, know what I mean? Um, no, but he plays an Ernest character really, really well. And you can just sense, like, you can feel that coming out of him, like how bad he feels when, like, when stuff is happening to his sister that he's kind of a part of as well, too. It's a really, really great performance that he puts in on this one. And granted, Never going to rival The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys is the mecca right there of Corey Haim performances and of vampire movies as well, too, honestly. Let's be real. But this is a really good performance we got from him in this film. Now, of course, I got to do my research because I really, really do enjoy this movie. So I'm going to try to read Cycle of the Werewolf, and we'll have to report back to y'all on it. But if you've seen this one, I want to know. Tell me in the comments, did you think this is one of the better Stephen King adaptations? Is it one of the worst ones that come out? Or are you going to be out of the ordinary and say this was a very mid-range one? Let me know in the comments so I can see what y'all are thinking about when it comes to this particular tale. But that's going to do it for us, folks. We are done here talking werewolf madness. So what you got to do is you got to get over to the Facebook group or you got to get over to the Discord so you can join our watch party and watch these awesome movies with us. I want to see everybody there. But something else I don't want y'all to forget as well, too. Hit that subscribe button so you can know when everything is going up. Because next week, we are looking at some fresh horror. And yes, that is a play on words. We are looking at the recently released uh, Fresh on Hulu starring Sebastian Stan. And we're also going to pair that up with Bad Samaritan, which stars David Tennant, which you might know from Doctor Who. I'm excited for those. Uh, 
absolutely fantastic films there that y'all are gonna love we're gonna have a good time with that next week so make sure you get back and you get subscribed so you can watch that with us but that's gonna do it for us folks you see all the socials there get on them find me add me to your list now and uh yeah make sure to like and comment as well too but i'm t we've been talking scary movies stay scared